After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Shalim Malachim, Malachi Hastorings, Malachi Elio, Mimelech Malachi Amilachim, Akolish Borahu. Shalim Malachim, Malachi Hastorings, Malachi Elio.
Love 
J.M. in the A.M. Great song. Yaakov Shweki, Kamu Vaneha. Before that, Yitzi Spinner with Shalom Aleichem. Eighth Day had their brand new Inner Flame plus Aye Makom off of the Shabbos a cappella CD. Shlomo Katz with Likrat Shabbat and Prok off of the Likrat Shabbat album. Lani Solomon, Shabbat in Liverpool with Lachado D. Love that. Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this June 12th, the 25th of Sivan. Good morning. Welcome to a jam in the AM Friday morning. Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting time, 8.08 on this Erev Shabbos, 8.08. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 8.08, official candle lighting time. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. 75 degrees outside with 65% humidity. Winds in northeast at 9 miles an hour. Partly cloudy with a high of 86. Tonight the low 74. Tomorrow the high 86 degrees. Right now Yerushalayim is at 77 with sunny weather. 75 degrees here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Um, I want to thank. You know, I don't even know who to thank. Yesterday something came up. I was not able to be at the live lunch uh, during the middle part of our incredible jmandtheam.org Thursday. And um, I'm assuming that I have to thank <laughs> uh, Miriam L. Wallach and Avrami and uh, whoever else participated in yesterday's live lunch. Smack in the middle of an amazing programming day at jmandtheam.org. So big thank you to everybody who presented wonderful shows yesterday and again my thanks to Miriam and Avrami for uh, sitting in, making sure the live lunch would roll on. And uh, it is much appreciated. Apparently, uh, Mark Zamek is going to be sitting in for the live lunch this coming Thursday. How do you like that? Yeah, we have special guests, special guest host rotating in for our Thursday live lunch from our New York City studio. He'll be doing a live lunch Rosh Chodesh edition coming up on Thursday. Anyway, a lot of time between now and Thursday, great programming on our stream all through the weekend, of course. Make sure you're tuned in. Sunday morning at 7 a.m. when Matis presents JM Sunday with news from Israel and English and a whole bunch of great features. Uh, Matis and JM Sunday, it is a tradition that just keeps on going. Even during weeks when other hosts are on vacation or different times during the year when we're taking a little bit more uh, easy, more of a break, Matis just keeps rolling with live presentations every Single Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel headlines with uh, David Lichtenstein. Y.Y. Jacobson, of course, with uh, Eternal Flame. A lot going on through our programming all through the weekend. Make sure you are tuned in at jmnam.org. Uh, I spoke to Yossi Zweig late last night. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to convince me to bring in a, um, a special musical group from Israel this coming Monday. They're going to be here literally for one day, or at least for one day after this weekend. And he says it's a great idea to have them in. I don't, I don't know much about them. I don't even know what I would ask. But he says we'll get some great live presentations. So we'll see. I'm going to speak with Essie later today and make a final decision. We may have an exciting live music Monday here at JMM. Always stuff popping up here. <laughs> Always things happening uh, at the last minute. So we'll see what happens. We might be able to present, uh, I don't know if it'll be as good as the incredible Monday performance we had this past week. Man, Eighth Day was here on Monday, and they were just spectacular. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
J.M. in the A.M., 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning. The weekly update is one hour away. Uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up later on. Uh, Naomi Nachman and Table for Two at 9 a.m. this morning on jmtheam.org and the NSN app. Uh, 10 o'clock, Kedem presents an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix that's going to go all the way until candle lighting time, believe it or not. Make sure to stay tuned right here at JM in the AM and jmtheam.org.
dogs doing in the city? Are they lost looking for meaning? Flying so pretty in this cold, dark city.
بودم خوشم پیر بودم خوشم پیر آب کولرگا بوده یا بودم خوشم پیر آب کولرگا بگا بورگا بودم خوشم پیر بودم خوشم پیر آب کولرگا بورگا بودم خوشم پیر Moshe Hecht with Inspire Me. Andy Stabman is part of that amazing uh, Culture Fest NYC going on next week. That's the Flatbush Waltz that he did with uh, Itzhak Perlman, the CD entitled In the Fiddler's House. Mordechai Ben David and Curry Bone before that, off of Shabbos with the Werdigers. Candle lighting at 8.08. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Candlelighting 808. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be Wednesday and Thursday. Keep that in mind. Great programming all through the weekend, including JM Sunday with Matis coming up at 7 o'clock on Sunday. On jmnam.org. Malcolm Holine and our weekly update coming up at 7.40 this morning. We'll go through the events of the week and talk about the news items of the week. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from Jamnia. Galei Tzal, Shashtayim, Khan Shibel Karmi Mansour, Imashakore Achshav. פלג קיצוני המקורב לגורמי הטרור בסיני הוא ששיגר אמש שוב את הרקטה לעבר ישראל, מדווח כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. פלוגת השייח עומר אל-חדיד בית אל-מקדס הודיע כי אנשיו ירו אמש לשטח ישראל. זו הפעם השלישית בתוך עשרה ימים שבה מקבל אותו פלג חדש ואלמוני אחריות לירי. בהודעה נמסר כי זוהי תגובה למות הצעיר בן ה-21 אתמול בג'נין, בעת שניסה להשליך פצצה על חיילים. כן הם מקדישים את הירי לאסירים הפלסטינים בישראל, 
ולאנשי הם שעצורים בידי חמאס בעזה. אורנג' מעולם לא תמכה ולעולם לא תתמוך בחרם נגד ישראל, אמר היום מנכ"ל חברת אורנג' העולמית סטפן רישר לראש הממשלה נתניהו. נתניהו ורישר נפגשו לפני הצהריים בירושלים, ראש הממשלה אמר לו, זה לא סוד שהתבטאויותיך בשבוע שעבר נתפסו כמתקפה על ישראל, ולכן הביקור שלך כאן הוא הזדמנות להסביר אותן. את הדברים הביאה כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. הלכה לעולמה שושנה ארבלי אלמוזלינו, שרת הבריאות לשעבר. היא הייתה חדורה באמונה ציונית, מפעולותה הציונית בעיראק ועד לתפקידה כשרה בממשלות ישראל, אמר עליה בצהריים ראש הממשלה נתניהו. מדווחת יערה שפירא. מותה של ארבלי אלמוזלינו נקבע הבוקר בבית החולים איכילוב בתל אביב כשהיא בת 89. במפלגת העבודה נמסר, חברתנו היקרה הובילה זרם חשוב במפלגה. היא הייתה שרת הבריאות, מחוקקת ומנהיגה יוצאת דופן, שפועלה מהווה דוגמה למאבק על זכויות נשים ומיעוטים, שמירה על העבודה מאורגנת ויושרה פוליטית עמוקה. נעלמה גופתו של טארק עזיז, הבכיר העיראקי לשעבר. עזיז, שר החוץ בידי בימי סדאם חוסיין, מת לפני שבוע בכלא העיראקי ומשפחתו ביקשה לקבור אותו בירדן. אתמול הגיעה הגופה לנמל התעופה של בגדד והיא נעלמה באופן מפתיע. הבוקר התברר כי היא נמצאת בירדן. כלי תקשורת ערבים מדווחים כי חמושים שזהותם לא ידועה היו מעורבים במעשה החטיפה. מצעד הגאווה בתל אביב, רבבות צועדים כעת לכיוון גן צ'ארלס קלור שבדרום הטיילת, שם תתקיים בחמש הופעתה של זוכת אירוויזיון 2014, הזמרת האוסטרית קונצ'יטה, מסמלי הגאווה של אירופה, מסר כתבנו איתמר קציר. מאולפן גלגלצ נמסר כי חסומים לתנועה הטיילת וכן רחובות רבים במרכז העיר ובהם הירקון, בן יהודה, ארלוזורוב, בוגרשוב ועוד. מומלץ לא להתקרב כלל לאזור בכלי רכב. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת שלח. בירושלים בשבע ועשרה, בתל אביב בשבע עשרים וחמש, בחיפה בשבע ושמונה עשרה, בבאר שבע בשבע עשרים ושש דקות, ובאילת בשבע ועשרים. אלה החדשות שערך עומר בן רובי, בצוות לי עמרם אילת ואבי כהן. שבת שלום. Oh, 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 oh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, that's David Dax, a medley entitled uh, the Shabbos Medley from the Shiraz Hayam CD. The rabbi's sons had Shabbos Kodesh before that off of the Kivinu album here at JM in the AM. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, Erev Shabbos. I don't know how many of you are paying attention to the news from Israel, but and I don't know how they determine when, you know, during which newscast they're going to do this on Friday, but in today's newscast at 2 p.m. Israel time, uh, there was uh, extensive mention of an entire list of candlelighting times. Yerushalayim, Tel Aviv, Haifa, Eilat. And then, of course, the newscast ends with Shabbat Shalom. And sometimes I think we just, after all these years of not knowing a world without the state of Israel, I think we sometimes have to pause and just appreciate and make ourselves appreciate how unbelievable it is that there is a state of Israel, not just to carry on our heritage and tradition and to make it easier to do so, and not just to go ahead and guarantee that anti-Semitism will be will be um, defeated and that the enemy will, uh, will will know that they have to face up to a formidable force. But not not just for those reasons, but also that. We have public airwaves in Israel where you can say Shabbat Shalom and discuss candlelighting times and take great pride no matter what your background is in the fact that we have a Jewish state. I just think sometimes we forget all that, and it's uh, very important to remind everybody about it. Hey, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. It's a very good opportunity and time to remind everybody about that. Normally, on Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach for the last, oh, I don't know, uh, I don't know how many years, and if it's not Erev Shabbos, then usually it's Thursday or so. Uh, we invite the um, the head, the director, the founder of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Josh Fast, to join us here at JM in the AM. Parsha Shlach, of course, those of you who are familiar with the Parsha, is a um, wonderful opportunity to remind everybody about the importance and all the positive aspects of Israel and living in Israel, etc., etc., and um, today, uh, yesterday rather, I asked uh, Miriam Alwalik if she could please uh, get in, co- in contact with her right fast and see if he's able to join us. And he was not able to join us. And we were both so disappointed. Um, he's not able to join us this morning or this afternoon from Israel to uh, give us some words of encouragement about Israel. Uh, for Parsha Shlach, for this uh, very important Parsha and a very important time to discuss Israel. So he apologizes and I apologize that we're not able to present him, but nonetheless, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, maybe I'll ask Malcolm about it. Yeah, maybe I'll ask Malcolm to say a word or two about Israel. Um, with Parsha Shlach up, uh, upon us. It's actually a good idea. He'll always uh, come up with a nice, wonderful message. Um, so maybe we'll do that. Uh, JM in the AM, you know, earlier in that set uh, uh, that we did before 7 o'clock, I played some Andy Statman. Andy Statman is going to be part. I don't, I don't see him in the original booklet that Culture Fest came out with. And I'd have to check the website and see if it's on there now. But there is a performance. 
excuse me. There is a performance Saturday night, a week from tomorrow night, um, where Andy Statman is going to be performing at the Joe's Pub. Joe's Pub in New York City, Saturday night, June 20th at 1130. So uh, everybody has an opportunity to see the most amazing and incredible, one of the most talented Jewish musicians out there. Joe's Pub, next Saturday night, June 20th at 1130. It'll be uh, Andy Statman in that performance. Uh, Well worth it. Well worth it. There, as we've been saying, there's certain events as part of this Culture Fest uh, uh, week, uh, the first international festival of Jewish performing arts. There are certain events that really have been tailor-made, that have been earmarked for our audience. And obviously Tuesday night, the one everyone's talking about, is the centerpiece of that whole concept. We'll be at the Central Park Summer Stage with Lipa, Avramel, Yanki Lemmer, uh, Natanel Hirschtick, Kenter Malavani, Zusha, in that free concert Tuesday night. Then the Gare Mandolin Orchestra, and I hope you heard my conversation with Avner Yonai. What an incredible story. Really an incredible story that he's taken this to, to the level he has. The Gare Mandolin Orchestra is going to be in New York City. And that's going to be at the Skirball, uh, NYU Skirball Center at 8 p.m. on Thursday night. And then Saturday night, June 20th, put Andy Statman, Joe's Pub, put Andy Statman on your list. It's going to be um, pretty amazing. So there you have it. A lot of stuff going on in New York City this coming week as part of this festival. And as I keep saying, a lot of events uh, tailor-made for our uh, Jewish music taste to take advantage, everybody. I want to just see if it's on the calendar already. Is it there yet? Yeah, Andy Statman's there. 11.30, Joe's Pub. It's on the events section of Culture Fest, KUL. T-U-R-F-E-S-T-N-Y-C dot org. If you go to the events section, you'll see it there. Uh, it's an $18 ticket, 11.30 at night on Lafayette Street in New York City. It should be pretty cool. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline joining us. He'll uh, be with us about 15 minutes from now for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. So get ready for that. Um, we'll try to get him to uh, give us a message on Parsha Schlach, a positive message. It's like peaks and valleys. I get, like, we get a lot of comments about the weekly update, and one of them, uh, is that, of course, uh, it, it unfortunately is very often filled with bad news, but sometimes it gets, like, to the point where it really, uh, where, where, where the feedback we're getting is, is very, uh, active in pointing out that, um, that it's, it's bad news. I try once in a while to, you know, to, to change the direction of the conversation. So hopefully the message about Parsha Shlach will be a positive one. I have a me- feeling it will be. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. If I seem a little distant with a twinkle in my eye, there's a very special reason you will find. Today is only Tuesday, and the kids learn olive base. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. Yes, I walk against the many, 
as they're groping in the night. And I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme. And the boys are now bar mitzvah, and Wednesday night is here. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. And Thursday sees a chuppah, and the weather is getting cold. And the Torah scroll is turning, and we are growing old. And the jokers and the scoffers, they're running out of time. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind. It's a Friday morning sunrise, no time to mess around. I'm the old man who dovin' right on time. And your prayers get more sincere as old friends pass away. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. And there is no deception, cause he knows just who you are. A hunger to be holy while feeling very far. And the jokers and the scoffers, they're running out of time. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind. It's a Friday evening sunset, no time to mess around. I'm the old man who dovin' right on time. And your prayers get more sincere when old friends pass away. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos. You know I got Shabbos on my mind.
Rabbi Avram Willig and company with the Einanachnu uh, must be Kim here at JM in the AM. Ilufinu, official title of the song. Yehuda Green with Hashivenu. You heard Moshe, yes, Shabbos on my mind. Friday morning, air of Shabbos, Parsha Shlach, candle lighting 8.08. Wow. Is candle lighting really 8.08? A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Let me see what it says for sunset. Yeah, 8.08 makes sense. Wow. Someone told me in Yerushalayim uh, just after 7 p.m., so if, the, if you have to call somebody in Yerushalayim uh, before Shabbos, you want to do that before 12 noon our time. Yes, we're a, we're a full public service radio station here reminding everybody <laughs> to place those Arab Shabbos calls on time. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Naomi Nachman, brand new edition of the uh, 
Award-winning show, Table for Two. I don't know if it won any awards, but if it didn't, it certainly should. I'll tell you that much. Uh, table for Two every Friday morning between uh, 9 and 10 a.m. Uh, this week she'll... Um, She'll eat her way through the hour, she says. Guests include Dr. Gabe Smolars, co-founder of Lunch Balancer, a healthy snack program delivered to your front door. Shannon Sarna, editor of the website The Nasher, and Chala Baker extraordinaire. She'll show everybody how to make and braid nut. Is it Nutella or Nutella? Nutella Chala right in the studio. And restaurateur Anna Epramashvili from Marani Restaurant in Queens will share some amazing Georgian Russian food samples. That's all happening with Naomi. And that's going to be, um, uh, today, this morning, right after JM and the AM. 9 AM Eastern time on the stream, jmtheam.org, followed by an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. It is incredible. You can't deny that. It's an Erev Shabbos music mix that everybody loves all the way until candlelighting time. Make sure you are tuned in. Just keep it going all day. Do what, um, do what uh, Leo does at Filler Up Wines on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Just keep the uh, keep the stream on all the way until Erev Shabbos. Simple as that. More coming up. Malcolm Homeline Weekly Update and more. Lipa's next. This is JM in the AM. Oh! 
Lipa, he'll be on the summer stage with the three great Chazanim, with uh, Avram Fried, with uh, Zusha, Tuesday night, 7 p.m., 72nd Street, 5th Avenue, New York City, Central Park summer stage. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Information about everything happening at Culture Fest, the first international festival of Jewish performing arts. K-U-L-T-U-R, CultureFestNYC.org, CultureFestNYC.org. Told you earlier about the um, the Gare Mandolin Orchestra. Told you earlier about Andy Statman next Saturday night, 1130 at Joe's Pub. A lot of good things that this audience will love. Hey, i got to thank our friends at OnlySimplus.com. They're, they are um, continuing to uh, utilize our content as part of their amazing expansion. Um, not, not just, uh, simchas anymore, but a whole bunch of great news stories that are uh, of interest to the Jewish world. They have here an article on Golden State Warriors star Stefan Curry. He's got a Hebrew tattoo. Apparently, according to uh, people from the next generation who I spoke to yesterday, apparently a lot of these NBA players have, uh, a lot of Jewish and Hebrew references on their on their trendy tattoos. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen 15 years from now when, it, when it's not in and everybody's uh, everybody's sporting them. But anyway, uh, so big thank you, OnlySimchas.com, uh, and continued success as they uh, do the whole Simcha thing. And in addition to that, they do a whole bunch of great Jewish news stories. By the way, speaking of Simchas, I want to take this opportunity to wish a special Mazel Tov. I got the... Uh, I got the official email from our friends at Camp Masora earlier this morning. And um, I take this opportunity. The email starts, the, the subject line is Mazel Tov George. Jordana George Bienenfeld, who everybody loves, the amazing program director up at Camp Masora. Uh, uh, she and Alon Malin have announced their engagement. So we say Mazel Tov. Uh, Jordana Biedenfeld, Alone Malin, and I'm going to give a special mazel tov to um, Cheryl and Dr. J, uh, George's parents, who I'm sure are celebrating and are uh, and are um, enjoying the big simcha. So mazel tov to all of the uh, to everybody, the Biedenfelds, the Malins, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Oh, and also a mazel tov going out to Rachel Markowitz and the graduating class. Of Frisch, Frisch High School, Rachel Markowitz of Teaneck, New Jersey. Mazal tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline is joining us in a moment, and um, I am going to. I explained earlier that Rabbi Fass is not able to join us today. Usually, traditionally, we have him on Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach. He's not able to join us today. We will ask Malcolm at some point 
for a message on this very important era of Shabbos. And I know a lot of people have been telling me recently, as I, m- I mentioned this earlier, that um, the weekly update has been focusing a lot on some, you know, difficult news stories. Some would call it negative news stories. We are going to try to toss in a positive, at least one positive message this morning. And a big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all of their amazing readers. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM&AM. I don't usually make that big a deal of this stuff, Malcolm, but boy, over the last few days I've been bombarded. One guy even said he has to tune out the weekly update, that he can't take some of the news items we're discussing. You know, there are people who can't face reality, and that's their choice, but they pay a price. And what we talk about are not negative stories. It's what's happening. And people who listen and I hear all the time from people who do, uh, the only people who can end up being optimists are people who are realists, Mm. people who face life as it is. It's what Torah teaches us in virtually every week's Parsha. This is not something you can exempt yourself from. And if you you choose to opt out, which is their choice, then your children or grandchildren will pay the price. There you go. Whoever thought that we'd actually get into the positive message this quickly? Amazing. I love it. Very important words. Uh, Malcolm, a lot of news this week. Siding with the White House in a foreign policy power struggle with Congress, the Supreme Court ruled Monday that Americans born in the disputed city of Yerushalayim, I love how AP writes that, in the disputed city of Yerushalayim cannot list Israel as their birthplace on passports. This goes back to 2002. Congress went ahead and approved the passport law, and eventually all this with the Zivotofsky family, as you and I have discussed on the air before, gets to the Supreme Court. The decision is a 6-3 decision. Your reaction? Look, the decision was not a, a decision about Jerusalem. It was a decision by in the part of the court. It was a decision about presidential prerogative and foreign policy formulation, and it, it ruled in favor of uh, the president's refusal to allow to to order that Israel be put on passports and other official documents, uh, as was called for by the law that was initially passed by Congress in an effort that we led in 2002. And if you remember, Senator Moynihan and others, right. we had a huge event at uh, on Capitol Hill. Um, but the, the the essence of this is is, uh, as I said, a legalistic issue. It's tr- it is also true that J- President Bush did not implement this law, nor did anyone else before, so that this is um, a, a really a narrow ruling. People interpreted, interpolated it and uh, as if it is, and, and it is of concern to us that people living, tens of thousands of Americans who were born in Jerusalem or live in Jerusalem can't have uh, Jerusalem, Israel in their passports. It's it's unique in the world. Uh, they claim that the other disputed areas, but I think even in uh, in those areas, people get to choose or, or can opt out of a, a choice. Uh, so I think that on the Jerusalem issue, we obviously are going to continue to fight for the rights of, of the Zivotovskis and everybody else who, who is impacted on it, but but most importantly is to get the recognition of Jerusalem, official recognition. 
he could apply just to West Jerusalem, so right. which is not disputed. So the the basis for it is the one which I think we can further contest. The um, once Congress passed that law, so it, it was up to the president to what to approve it, to implement it, to to, to call. Implement. To implement it. And uh, when the Supreme Court goes ahead and makes this decision, I understand, you you know, you just described how it was viewed, you know, Congress versus the White House. But is that essentially what they were doing? They had to make a decision if, in fact, this foreign policy issue, you know, is going to be exclusively a White House issue, you know, commander in chief, they have to make this type of decision. Or on the other side, you know, Congress. That's exactly what it was. That was exactly what it is. And is there anything? And, and if you looked at the, the, uh, the Chief Justice, uh, John Roberts, issued uh, a dissenting point of view, which is very strong, saying that, that essentially putting the whole thing down, but he was in the minority of the, of the three. Is there any other, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just so curious, is there, are, are there other instances you've seen, not involving Israel, obviously, but foreign policy out of Washington, where where there, there has to be, I don't necessarily the Supreme Court, but there has to be a decision whether the White House or Congress is going to be the final decisor of, you know, what type of relationship we have with what country or how we're going to proceed, you know, officially with a country. Is there anything that even remotely, uh, yes. what was it? There are many issues that come up. It's why Congress builds in presidential waivers to as, uh, as uh, an acknowledgement of that. So that many of the laws that are passed, people don't know, the president has waiver, like moving the embassy to Jerusalem, and every six months he waives it. Um, they, the, uh, there are many other things, including sanctions. And there are examples from other countries, not just dealing with Israel. Right. Okay. So this is not, it was not an outrageous approach by the majority of the Supreme Court. No, it was not an outrageous right. approach. It, it was of concern to us because of how it will be interpreted. And uh, and it seemed to be an injustice to the people who rightfully should be able to designate the state, the country in which they were born. Right. Uh, if they opt to, if people opt not to do so, then they could. They don't have to. You, you know who's, you know who's, um, who's proving to be a really good symbolic leader? And maybe that's not even a strong enough term. He deserves stronger than that. The president of Israel declared, in light of this in light of this decision by the Supreme Court, "I was born in Jerusalem, and I am an Israeli." And I know that you know it may not be that significant, it's, and, and not that newsworthy. But you always talk how symbolism tell us how symbolism is so important, and to have a leader of Israel get up and react that way, I think is really nice. Well, I think he's done this in regard to many issues. Yeah. that he's been an independent voice. Um, I think it's not politicized, although it's often political issues, but he he's trying to use his presidency, the, the seat, to address key issues and even taking on sometimes controversial issues. Uh, and this was uh, this, this declaration is, by the way, one that I've heard from him for decades. Right. He is from a, an old Jerusalem family, one of the most prominent uh, families, the Rivlins, who have been there, I don't know, 150 years or more. And um, this is something that he has proudly proclaimed for a long time. That's correct. And our very own Matas Weingast is related to him and is part of that Rivlin family. And by the way, I can't think of it, of course, right now, but there was another example either last week or the week before in the weekly update where, again, symbolically he came out with a statement that was very poignant. 
and really important for the time. Uh, I see there's an orange update compared to seven days ago. It seems there's been some type of reconciliation between the CEO of the orange company and the leadership of Israel, including the prime minister. The love affair. Yeah, it's amazing. The orange CEO came to Israel for two days. He met uh, with the prime minister uh, or today, and he has said that he is that Orange is investing in Israel and he loves Israel, he wants to be in Israel. The truth is that before he, he did invest a lot in Israeli high tech. I think that the and the nature of the relationship of the Orange Company was really with partner. It was a, a business relationship where the service they they bought the right to, to the name. The Israeli company bought the right to the name, and right. other things are involved in it. But uh, I think that the reversal is very important, especially for a lot of BDS people or others who may have been contemplating, you know, jumping into this uh, fray. And we see more companies or more people joining the BDS campaign. Uh, This was a message. It it is not, again, the economic impact uh, of BDS that motivates the reaction. Uh, The the economic impact is probably minimal. It affects some people, you know, the SodaStream controversy, others that have been infected, but it could affect much more, especially with the moves to label products and to insist that uh, things coming out of uh, Shomron, out of the West Bank, be labeled as such, uh, which would mean that that they'd be easier to boycott and uh, action against them taken. So the the message and the victory for those who don't want to have negotiations but who'd rather enforce a salmon who want to push Israel to the brink, and many of them want to push it over the brink. Yeah. Uh, that's why the, these things are of such significance, and the setback to them by the president, the prime minister, our minister of France coming out so strongly against uh, the boycott. Leaders of major historic countries on this globe are reacting the way they are. And the reason I say it like that on this Arab Shabbos Parsha Shlach, again, we know how easy it was in Jewish history over 2,000 years for people to slap a sign on someone's store, uh, a call for boycott of Jews, and they'd have no problem getting the cooperation of everybody in town and possibly the entire world to cooperate. And, and we are, we, we don't realize what we're living through here. And sometimes we take it for granted. We have a state of Israel where the CEO of this company is coming to the Prime Minister of Israel to make sure that the relationship is smoothed over, to make sure everything's okay. I, I don't think we sometimes realize what type of era we're in. And that South Carolina was the first state to pass legislation to thwart BDS, economic uh, disinvestment. We have 18 more states considering it. Illinois legislature already passed it uh, by overwhelming, uh, even unanimously. And uh, Indiana, others, uh, New York State has anti-boycott legislation, but we are hoping that it will be upgraded on the BDS, to, uh, taking into account more of the BDS issues, um, so that, that those... Uh, Issue that the issue itself is beginning to gain greater recognition about its seriousness because, again, some of your listeners will say it's bad news. <laughs> if you say it's bad news and ignore it, then you can't fight it. If you recognize it and you deal with it and you root it out before it becomes so uh, so overwhelming that you otherwise can't deal with it, then you know you've lost the case. And here you see exactly an example of why you have to confront the issues and why you have to know them. And the overwhelming numbers, the number of countries, the number of companies that want to be on the other side of this BDS issue, the anti-Israel side, and yet we have this incredible 
a gift and and this amazing you know state of Israel that gives us the opportunity to to counter all of this and to and to show the strength of the Jewish people and and the state of Israel and it was not long ago when it was completely the opposite and and you have to to to, to those who are skeptical take take a look at how these same people who pushed the BDS movement have never pushed a, a boycott movement of Syria where 300,000 people supposedly have been killed according to reports this week they don't call for it against Iran with all the killings of minorities of gays of everything under the sun and their support for violence and terrorism globally and, and in the region you never hear anybody calling for boycotts of those, of those countries or those uh, entities so it's so quite true. ridiculous you know that it's targeting Israel for a very obvious reason. And a shout out to Art Garfunkel, Malcolm. with anti-Semitism are making a big mistake. That's right. Well, and let's hope it continues that way, that they, that they view it as a big mistake. Shout out to Art Garfunkel, another artist who played Israel this week. And a shout out to Google. Did you see the Google CEO visited Israel this week? Yes, he did. How amazing is it? This, what, is, what is that? The large, well, maybe Apple is. I don't know who's the largest company in the world now, but can you imagine... CEO, largest company in the world, biggest tech company, one of the most important, uh, uh, one of the most important operations in the entire globe, visiting Israel, meeting with the prime minister, and at the same time, British filmmakers calling for a boycott of the Israeli film festival and demanding that uh, they cancel the Israeli film festival. So well, that is part of the problem: is that this starts, as we identified many years ago, uh, amongst. Uh, in, in Europe, in Great Britain, and even more so in the United, and even so in the United States, amongst the intellectual classes, why we see it much more on campuses, um, with faculty groups, with uh, some church groups, it starts at the top and then trickles down. Whereas in France, it's the bottom up, and it's, it's so the net outcome might be the same, but it's the differentiation that amongst in, in Britain. It started amongst the creative classes and others uh, years ago. Yeah. It continues, and you see it in academic decisions, and uh, thank God we see counter-voices, too. But somebody has taken the initiative to, to get these people to, to organize and then to come out publicly. There's a whole counter-boycott uh, counter movement at this point, uh, which, thank, which, thank God, is growing. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Holmline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, major American Jewish organizations. Guy comes over to me Monday night, says, did you hear Erdogan lost? I said, I don't think Erdogan lost. Who's right, Malcolm? Uh, Erdogan uh, suffered a, a loss, not a defeat. He, he did not lose the election in the sense that he still retained the largest block, but he fell far short of what he wanted, maybe even 100-plus seats from what he ultimately wanted. He wants to be able to have... a a singular majority for his party, AKPY, because he wants to change the Constitution, institute a presidential system with him, uh, with all the powers vested in the president, so that he could start implementing major changes, including Turkey to more of an Islamist state. Uh, this was a big blow to those aspirations, and the key was that the in, in order to be in the 
Turkish parliament, you have to get 10% of the vote. The Kurds always fell shy of that. This time they got 10.1, which means which, which meant that those votes were not lost or given to to the other parties. And as the majority party, he would get the lion's share of it. Uh, it it's like in Israel, there's a, a, a threshold. And then if you don't meet that threshold, those votes are essentially lost or divided amongst the other parties in a proportionate manner to the vote that they got. So Turkey um, is, uh, it, it, it's, he has not yet declared a new government or taken the steps following the election. But, what, but what's the lesson here, that, that there are a lot of people against the radicalization of Turkey? I mean, is that the lesson here? It is against him, against the, the harsh measures that he has implemented about the economic conditions, uh, that he hasn't lived up to the promises he's made. Uh, a lot of people are interpreting it different ways. We'll have to find out what it, it, it means ultimately. But it, for now, I think it's a very positive move for, for what we hope will be a change. The Prime Minister, the Tulu, stepped down. That may be just a technical move, you know, so that he'll be asked to form the next government. Does this affect the- at all that that's true because he and, and Erdogan didn't get along that well? Does this affect the possibility of Israel having a better relationship with Turkey? Or because he's still in power, that likely will not change? It's too early to know, uh, although I know that uh, Turkish officials warned the Hamas leaders based in Turkey to tone down the violence because they said they were getting blamed and they didn't want it. But already they, uh, some people in, in leaders in, uh, um, who follow Erdogan have said that this was the, the Jewish lobby and that, you know, the Jews were responsible for the defeat <laughs> and that the economic lobby, which is controlled by the Jewish lobby, did this. I mean, we, we shouldn't laugh at it because in Turkey it has, it has a lot of adherence and, you know, it becomes the automatic go-to uh, refrain. I know, but boy, did they give us a lot of credit. Yeah, no cash, a lot of credit. Right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, you know. Controlling everything, including the Turkish parliamentary elections. Uh, the G7 meeting this week uh, focused on ISIS. Um, it, it, was there any type of report or consensus among the countries that they're actually making progress? Was there any, you know, in, in a sense, was there any positive news that came out of that meeting in regard to ISIS? Look, ISIS continues to expand. There, there wasn't a particular plan, and there is no real strategy and as President Obama said there, they, they don't have a strategy yet for dealing with uh, ISIS. We, we just learned that in uh, Kurdish, uh, the Kurdish part of Iraq and the Kurdistan there, they've recruited 500 young people uh, to, to join the, them, and, and uh, they are gaining more and more control over the mosques in areas of Iraq and uh, uh, putting in Salafist uh, uh, imams. The, the uh, ISIS has developed new technologies where they are, are doing a thing called tunnel bombs, which they learned from Hamas to dig the tunnels like Hamas. And, you know, the network that they and Hezbollah have has in uh, southern uh, Lebanon and Hamas has in Gaza. So they build this network of tunnels, and they place a huge bomb inside the tunnel. They're called tunnel bombs. And then they blow up the target from underneath. And... When you blow the from underneath and you explode the foundation, the whole thing collapses. Mm-hmm. And this can be targeted, and they have the escape route uh, ready built in with the uh, with the tunnels. And we know that they're building this kind of a network in Iraq and and have had it already in in Syria. 
The United States is acknowledging essentially because the president is sending more troops to certain areas that they that there's got there has to be some type of escalated I don't know what we call it ground war or military offensive against ISIS. I mean, are other countries going to cooperate with the United States on this? We don't see anybody really jumping into the fray. Many of them are skeptical about what what the United States is ready to do or whether there is an effective strategy, a longer term strategy. We see. Uh, ISIS uh, fighting Hezbollah right now on the Syrian-Lebanese border. Um, dozens have been killed. The number of people in ISIS is really becoming an interesting subject of debate because given the uh, the number of fronts on which they're fighting, uh, the numbers are believed perhaps to be greater than uh, ha- had been assumed and that they are continuing to expand their outreach in Indonesia, countries far beyond uh, the Middle East. So and and they have the seemingly endless supply of, of weapons. They also sell oil from the area that they control in uh, in Syria, and uh, will will do so from Iraq as well. So the the trajectory is still unclear, but it, right now it's I think still an uphill climb for them. Yeah, that's for sure. Swiss and Austrian authorities are investigating claims of potential espionage during recent nuclear talks between Iran and world powers, including the United States. The investigation started after Russian internet security firm Kaspersky Labs said that it had uncovered a sophisticated cyber espionage weapon in use around the world and specifically targeting targeting hotels that hosted the nuclear talks. So essentially this is a, this is a, um, a, a, they're accusing Iran of cyber attacks, right? I mean, in this case it happens to be hotels wherever it's going, but that's, that's essentially what they're accusing Iran of doing, right? They're accusing Israel of doing it. Oh, this is Israel? Yeah. They, they accused Israel of, uh, of bugging the hotel and creating some sort of a, a new kind of virus to, uh, to, that, that penetrated and was why Israel knew what was going on. Israel has denied it. The many others now have come out denying it. Some say it doesn't even exist, that this was a pure rumor. So we don't know if this is science fiction or there's anything really here. Hmm. All right. I'll move on to a different topic. And I apologize. Next. <laughs> and I apologize for that. Uh, the President of the United States, hang on a second. Uh, here we go. President of the United States, it says it's early days for the White House's latest charm offensive among American Jews, but a new poll suggests that the wooing effort is having little effect. The poll published by J Street, a liberal pro-Israel group that generally backs Obama and his Middle East policy, shows Obama stuck in the same mid-50s approval ratings he was registering in April when U.S.-Israel tensions were prominently in the news. First of all, I didn't know there was a charm offensive right now from the White House toward American Jews. And if, in fact, there is, why does it seem like it's not working? Well, the clearly, I don't know if it's a charm offensive. Uh, there ha- the president certainly has reached out, not only in the meetings that he's held, but his speech at the synagogue. Um, the, the others, uh, Tony Blinken's speech this week, uh, Kerry was supposed to give it, many others. But the president himself giving the interview to Israeli television, to Jeffrey Goldberg addressing the issues. Uh, a lot of it wasn't charm. A lot of it was still, you know, criticism of Netanyahu and, and something, I think, that even those who may not support Netanyahu are are offended by or, or were concerned by. Um, some were uh, relieved by his comments, and, and he made many reassuring comments to, to the audience at that synagogue, and it was received with a lot of applause. But I think that the people see the broader issues. Iran concerns them very much, and they see the, 
tendency on Iran and not seeing a clear hardline policy uh, and the um, and the pri- and the president made comments in, in the interviews like the, the, there's no military uh, option really to stop Iran. Well, a lot of people are concerned when they hear hear that when we don't see the kind of uh, tough line that that many people want on the on these critical issues, which we see obviously as life and death issues. We see the Iranians uh, saying you're not going to be able to inspect this, you're not going to be able to go to military sites, you're not going to interview our scientists. That this uh, deal is not forever. And then they take it out sometimes inappropriately, as with the case of uh, Jack Lew this week at the uh, Jerusalem Post conference. But it was, he, when he said that the Iranians are living up to their commitments, people are skeptical about it and, and respond as such. The, uh, so the president has reached out. I think the numbers, uh, I'm suspect of the numbers because it's a J Street poll, and the polls you know, always serve the purpose of the people who pay for it or the way the questions are asked. And if you look at the questions on Iran that it asks, well, it got a, a response about how many people support the president, but it, the, the conditions that they say uh, are not what uh, obtains now, for instance, that there would be thorough inspections and, you know, transparency, et cetera. Of course, people will say yes to that. So you have to look at the questions and you have to look at the um, context of uh, in which people responded. That's one. Two, how big a sample and who did they go and ask? Three, even with that, they said they came down with a number that was still 10 points higher than the general American populace's support uh, for the president. I don't know if this is true. If it's not true, uh, I think that the uh, White House will certainly pay attention to uh, to these poll numbers. But at some point, the president, and, and at this point, it seems the president just is pursuing the policies uh, that he believes in. That he's trying to explain it. He's trying to... Um, I think diffuse some of the anger that is clearly being manifest in the parts of the Jewish community. What was behind the booing of Jack Lew? Was it just a very anti-Obama crowd? I think largely, no matter what he would have said, uh, but and, and because people don't acknowledge the fact that the Treasury Department actually has been leading the fight on sanctions for a long time against Iran, and the Treasury Department uh, led the effort here and around the, the world on that issue. But as I said, when he made mention, as I heard, I wasn't there, uh, about Iran being in compliance, something, by the way, that uh, Tony Blinken, the Undersecretary of State, said at another Jewish gathering uh, this week, uh, it evoked a response. And I think people were really loaded for bear, and this was their chance to get at the administration by uh, hitting uh, Jack Lew, who is an observant Jew and certainly committed uh, on the issues. Um, but he should have anticipated, uh, you know, what the response would be. It's not the first time at these Jerusalem Post conferences that people get booed. <laughs> I hope you're not speaking from personal experience. No, actually, Alan Dershowitz got booed, and I was there then. I was very, uh, I was really taken aback by it. But uh, you know, it's a very, let's say, lively and audience. On what occasion it were you- was inappropriate? Uh, I must say that that's not the way you do it. You ask questions, you you can challenge them, but you don't. Booth speaker comes to as your guest. What was your worst booing experience? Probably on this show. Nah, come on. Where was your worst? You must have been in debate with somebody where the crowd came out for the other guy. It must have been. But some college campus somewhere, some big. I had that on, you know, many times. On, well, not many times, very few times, actually, that I can remember. I haven't had it in a long time that I remember being actually 
food. Hmm. But, um, you know, if you feel that it's a circumstance where there's no way to win and you can't, the people are not going to be educated, then you just don't go. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, more rockets from Gaza, more sirens in southern Israel. Is that what happened this week? More rockets. I think it's altogether seven now. There was one yesterday that was fired towards Ashkelon, and the sirens went off there. Uh, this is uh, likely the IS group, IS in Jerusalem, uh, that is contending with uh, Hamas in Gaza, and with yeah, Hamas in Gaza, and is an irritant to them. They've been making demands on, on them. This is part of their pressure campaign because they know that Hamas doesn't want it. Hamas has tried to arrest. Uh, uh, some of the people, and as I t- said before, you know, Hezbollah is fighting IS on the Syrian-Lebanese border. They're fighting them uh, in Gaza. I think that it's a relatively small group at this point, but not to be dismissed uh, at all. The um, uh, the uh, There have been firefights between Hamas and IS uh, in, in the areas, and the... Um, uh, you know, they, they try to get closer and closer to the uh, border with Israel, they're complaining that uh, that Hamas reached deals with Israel and that they didn't really fight enough against Israel. And uh, this is, uh, you know, a matter of concern. And, and, you know, there's an interesting sidelight, by the way, about Gaza, when all the criticism, and we saw it this week again with the attempt to, um, to, to isolate and criticize and demonize what Israel does at the United Nations over the treatment of children. They didn't put them on the shame list, but they did issue a report which is just such a total distortion and uh, you saw how many militaries have visited israel since the war in gaza and and this week several of them came out and said israel goes too far in in containing and restricting their military because it's going to affect them and that people are going to use those same standards to demand that of in every conflict situation you know that that uh, Israel sends in 800 trucks a day now into Gaza. It's going to get up to a thousand. That's up from originally was about 500. A million tons of building materials have gone to Gaza. There are uh, 5,000 people who have permits to come back and forth to trade in Israel and the West Bank. Business people. It's it's quite remarkable that nobody talks about the facts. You know, 83,000 families built, got all the building materials to rebuild their homes. The problem is they sell it on the black market to Hamas, which uses it in the tunnels, or Hamas just steals it and uses it. You've seen all the complaints about water. Israel, under the uh, Oslo Accords, is obligated, I think, to give uh, 30 million cubic meters of water uh, a year to to um, the West Bank. They gave this year 57 million cubic meters of water. They also supply Jordan with water. And that's in addition to doubling the water to, to Gaza from 5 million cubic meters to 10. Nobody will say this. It's done quietly, Israel. And those deliveries just continue. Like they're not, the, it, it, they don't make it difficult. They don't make it, make it difficult on the recipients. That's right. It's, it's, uh, it continues. But the problem is they abuse it. They abuse the water systems, especially in the West Bank, where they, and the aquifers get contaminated because they dump garbage. They do illegal hookups, and a lot of water is wasted. Uh, Israel recycles 86% of its water, highest in the world. And you saw all of the positive stories about Israel's um, uh, treatment of water and the fact that it became self-sufficient this year in water. Uh, which was a huge story and, and is a huge story because now many other countries are asking Israel to come in, including, I think they went to California 
to try and give them some advice on the, the terrible drought uh, that the people there have. So uh, that story is one that never gets told, and the fact that Israel shares this technology and helps in Africa and other places, uh, countries to, to address the, their water uh, deprivation. Uh, and in Africa as well, right. I, we, I had the chance, I, I don't remember his name, I'm sure you know who it is, his name escapes me, but he was a candidate for president of Israel at one time. And I had the opportunity to interview him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the work that you described in California you spoke about. But Africa, it's unbelievable the progress they are making and how they are teaching and le- and, and guiding countries to become self-sufficient when it comes to water and when it comes to solar energy. It's just unbelievable. Um, all right, a message for Parsha Shlach. I mentioned that Rabbi Fast can't join us today, so Malcolm, you're the man who to this morning can give us an inspiring word as we enter this very interesting Shabbos where we always talk on the Friday before Parsha Shlach about Aliyah, the importance of Israel. What could you tell us? That Israel is very important, and had, the, the truth is it's a great thing to, to note that the difference between the ten and the two Miraglim uh, scouts, because you shouldn't say spies, the scouts, right. Who went to his, to to check out the land was one word difference. They both described objectively the same circumstance and situation. The difference was but one word, and on that one word, the whole course of Jewish history hinged. So people have to think about when we talk about Israel. Every word counts. Every word matters, and that the the uh, the attitude and the way we approach it. You know the optimist versus the pessimist as we talked about before you know they, they the Yoshua and Kalev didn't contradict the facts that were presented by the majority in this case but they what they did in the in their dissent was to refute the, un, the unhealthy attitude as to the ability of the people to go into the land and to win mm. they both said it's exceedingly good the cities are large but and then he said they're they said they're lachmenu, right. they, meaning that their strength is gone. And others say it's our bread, meaning that we will swallow them up as one swallows bread. That's what Rashi uh, teaches. So it's a question of the attitude that if you hear the news that we discuss and you you face the challenges, you can say, look, they're anakim. They're these are overwhelming giants and these are terrible things that we can't confront it. Had that been the the, the conclusion that everybody drew. We would never have had Israel. We would never. Have, we would probably not exist today. And there's an interesting thing that I told at a big Christian conference. I asked them how many people know can name the ten who came back with a negative report. <laughs> Five thousand people there, and this is on YouTube. You can see it some places. Yeah. Um, there was dead silence. Of course. When I said to them, name the two who came back with a positive report. 5,000 people stood in their chairs, <laughs> yelling, jumping, yelling, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> I said, that's the lesson of history, that those who stand with Israel are remembered forever. Those who speak against it are written off to history. Ah, phenomenal! Phenomenal! Great message. Thank you so much. I learned from the late Shemul Cohen and... Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak, please, yep. God, next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Ah, that was great. Those who stand with Israel 
they'll be remembered. Candle lighting at 8.08 on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shlach. Pasha Shlach, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos, two positive mitzvos, the mitzvah of challah, of separating a portion from the dough. When we had a Beis Migdash, we gave this portion to the Kohen. Please God, we will in the future. The mitzvah of challah outside of Eretz Yisrael is the Rabbonon, a rabbinic mitzvah, that the mitzvah of Chalo should not be forgotten. And the other positive mitzvah is that of Sitzis, that we are to place fringes, tassels, on four-cornered garments. And finally, one prohibition, not to stray after our hearts and after that which is alluring to our eyes, but to keep focused on Hashem's commandments. Parsha Shlach, which the first part of the Parsha, is dominated by the tragic sin of the Meraglim, of the spies, whereby ten of the twelve spies come back with a devastating, a demoralizing report regarding the land of Israel, and as Dovr HaMelech says in Tilim 106 Pasuk 24 Vayim Asu Be'eretz Chemda Loheminu Lidvarov Ouch! They despised the desirable land. They had no faith in His Hashem's word. The obvious question that we ask every year is, how could this happen? How could it be? The Zohar gives a very important answer, and that is that the Nesim, these Tzadikim, as great as they were, they were afraid of one thing. In the desert, they were being provided for with whatever they needed. In the desert, their food came from heaven, literally, the Mun, and their water came from the Be'er of Minyad, of Miriam, and they were enveloped in the Anani Kovod. They were living a life of Lamala Minateva. They were living a life literally of extraordinary, supernatural, and they didn't want to leave this cocoon. And God was telling them, no, sorry, we were put in this world to elevate the everyday and not withdraw from the everyday. That is certainly one approach. There are many lessons that we are to derive from the Parsha, not the least of which is to instill within ourselves the love for Eretz Yisrael. And I'd like to share with you an interesting insight into the very first Rashi on the Torah. So on the verse, Shlach Anoshim, the second verse of this week's Torah reading, 
So Rashi tells us the following, that, wait a second, Shlach Lecha, you send, if you want to go along with them, fine. Ani Amarti Lohem Tova. Right? I already told you and the Jewish people that the land is a good land. At the burning bush, God told Moshe, Vale Eschem, and I'm going to bring you up to a land flowing with milk and honey. However, Chayehem, now that they are challenging my word, what am I going to do? Shanino Saint Lahem Mokom listen carefully litos. I am going to allow them to err to stumble Bidivrehamaraglim. Now this is a very important point. Points out Rabbi Rucham in his Das Torah. It's not that God forbid Hashem is putting any kind of a stumbling block before the Jewish people and causing them to accept the negative report of the spies. But rather, what is happening is as follows. There is a concept of His, capital H, Hashem's protection that enables one to be successful and not to sin. The Gemara in Kedushin, Lamid Amid Beis, 30b, teaches the following. Yitzro shall Adam, a person's Yitzer, a person's drive, the negative, evil drive within a person, miskaber olav b'chol yom, literally gets stronger and challenges him on a daily basis and attempts to literally pull him down and do him harm the but not for the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu assists the individual he's not going to be successful in overcoming the challenge that he sees and encounters every single day now take a look at these Miraglim, who are they? the Torah tells us these are distinguished individuals, and Rashi says that Hashuvim, the these are very fit, worthy individuals. And the Ramban, in his commentary on Pasuk 4, teaches that, my goodness, the order in which the Maraglim are listed is in accordance with their stature, and so in accordance with their Chachmah, with their wisdom. Yoshua bin Nun is number five on the list. What does that mean? That the first four that precede him are even on a higher nature greater individuals than Yoshua. Just look at the caliber of these people. And still, what happens here, God is not, God forbid, causing them to sin, but without the divine protection, without the divine assistance, unfortunately, this is an additional powerful lesson beneath the surface that we need His help. If, please God, each and every night, before we go to bed, and we recite Kriyashma Alamita, and we do that 
Cheshbon HaNefesh. We look into the past day's performance and we perhaps are ready to pat ourselves on the back and say, Chaim, Shalom, Rifki, Chani. This was a pretty good day. I, to the best of my knowledge and awareness, abstained from sin and tried, didn't speak Lashon Hara, didn't, 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 did this, did that. Pat yourself on the back, but not too hard. Understand that by yourself, you just can't do it. There's somebody helping you. As the Gemara says once again, were it not for the fact that Hashem is assisting and helping the person, you can't do it on your own. And that's what Rashi means over here when Rashi says, the very first Rashi, literally on Shlach Lecha says Rashi, by I swear, Shanino Litos. I am going to allow them how not to cause them to sin, but to remove this divine protection. A very important, fascinating idea that is beneath the surface of this parsha. I'd like to take it one step beyond. Revel Yoshev Zechatzadik Levracha in his Sefer, Divrei Agada, on this parsha, on the Pasuk, regarding Kalev, whereby Hashem extols the virtue of Kalev. And what does it say in chapter 14, Pasuk 24? The Avdi Kalev, my servant Kalev, Egev, Hoisa, Ruach Acheres Imo. My servant Kolev, because a different spirit was with him, right? He will, please God, come to the land. He will get his inheritance in the land. What is this Ruach Acheres? What is this different spirit that Kolev had? So the first thing that Rebel Yashiv reminds us is the Gemara in Sota, Daf Lamedalid on the base, 34b, whereby if you look at the beginning of Shani, where the Torah describes the actions and the movements about of the spies, Vayovol Ad, listen carefully, and Vayalu Banegev, and literally they went up they ascended in the south of Eretz Yisrael. And then the Pesach continues, at Hebron. The Pesach begins in the plural, they, all twelve of them, ascended in the south of the land of Israel, but in the singular, at Hebron, but he individually came to Hebron. Who is this? So Rashi quotes from the Gemara, in Soto Kolev Levado, just Kolev went there, and he went to pray by the graves of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, excuse me, it was not there, and Leah. He went to go to those Avos and Imahos, Shlo Nisas, Hashem and Avos, please give me the strength to be that individual and not to follow the other ten spies. So the Ruach Acheres, the Gemara says, is the fact that he went and he had this additional 
boost of energy coming from the Ovos. This is one interpretation, showing that a person always has to find a means to provide themselves with this Ruach Acheres to arm themselves. But then he suggests something very refreshing. And what does this Ruach Acheres perhaps also include? He says the Gemara in Sota, Daf Yud Beis Aleph 12a teaches that Kolev was married to Miriam. And regarding Miriam, the Gemara in Sota tells us that when Paro decreed that all the Jewish boys should be thrown into the sea, so Amram, Moshe's father, divorced himself from Yochebed, his wife, the Jewish community followed his example because if God forbid we're going to bring children into this world that are going to be killed, better not to bring them in. Came along Miriam, his daughter, and she goes and she gives the following respectful argument to her dad. And she says, your decree is harsher than Paro. After all, Paro is only decreeing on the boys. Yours includes the girls. Moreover, she said, Abba, you should know that you will be the father of the boy, the man, who will be the one, Goel Yisrael, the one to redeem the Jewish nation. So, what do we find? That he listens to her. Sure enough, when Moshe is born, the entire house is filled with light. He kisses her on her kepi. And then, unfortunately, when three months later, they have to put Moshe into the uh, river, what does he do? He gives her a little bit of a patch, and he says to her, BT, where is your prophecy now? This is found in Sota 13a. Now, what does Miriam believe at that time? So, the Torah tells us, Literally, his sister was standing from afar. And the rabbis understand this to mean that she's not just curiously looking, she's standing to see what's going to happen because she's adamant in her belief in the prophecy that this young man, this baby, will be the one to redeem the Jewish people. She never faltered in her emuna. She never lost faith. And therefore, this woman who had such incredible emuna and bitachon says, Rebel Yashiv, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, this is the Ruach Acheres that Kolev had. Ruach Kolev had this different spirit, namely, he had the incredible support of his wife, the incredible hashpa'a influence of his wife, as the Gemara in Yevamos, Samach Gimel Amar Aleph at the bottom teaches us of the very significant influence that the wife has on raising the children and 
on keeping the husband in check to make sure that he goes in the right path. And therefore, the Parsha of the Miraglim has so many practical lessons for us. Not only the love of Eretz Yisrael, but the important realization how much we need Hashem on a daily day basis, as the Gemara teaches, Ilmole, were it not for the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, literally, Be'ezro, were it not for the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps him, in Yocholo. And by extension, says Rav Yashiv so beautifully, that same word, Ezro, to help him, it comes if the man is fortunate from his Ezra Kenegdo. May husbands and wives, and wives especially, continue to have this positive hashpa'ah of their love for Eretz Yisrael, of their love for Torah and mitzvos, of their pure emunah, which is what sustained us in Mitzrayim. And please God, will continue to sustain us at Bihas HaGoel. Shabbat Shalom to all.
It's uh, eighth day with uh, it's Shabbos now. I told them on Monday when they were here how amazing that song is, and felt I just had to get it on the radio. If you missed any of Eighth Day's performance on Monday, make sure you uh, check out the archive section of jmnam.org. Speaking of performances, um, Yassi Zweig is um, is well. He and I are speaking about a possible live performance here Monday at JM in the AM. It'll be a group from Israel. We're going to be in for this weekend, and uh, he's trying to convince me that it's a really good idea. He may be right, so we'll talk about that. And You may just hear a live music alert Monday coming up here at JMNAM, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget amazing weekend programming, JM Sunday with Matis, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream, jmnam.org. Includes news from Israel and English and everything Matis does each and every Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, Naomi Nachman is next at 9 a.m. with her incredible Table for Two program. Uh, the video of uh, of the Table for Two program for today is already up at NachumSiegel.com, so you can watch that show at your convenience, but certainly we encourage watching it in the 9 o'clock hour when it's airing on the stream. Why not? Uh, Ketem presentation of the Incredible era of Shabbos music mix happens between 10 a.m. and candlelighting time. So 8.08 is candlelighting time. My gosh. That's over 10 hours of great era of Shabbos music. <whistles> Pretty amazing. Hey, Mazel tov going out to George Bienenfeld. 
This was the um, the subject line in the Camp Missouri email was Mazel Tov George. Jordana George Bienenfeld is engaged to Alone Malin. Jordana George Bienenfeld, the great, amazing program director of Camp Missouri, is engaged to Alone Malin. We say Mazel Tov. And as I said earlier, I'm tossing in a special Mazel Tov to Cheryl and Jay and the entire family from all of us here at JM in the AM. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov going out to um, Rachel Markowitz, who graduated last night from Frisch, and to all her classmates at the Frisch Yeshiva High School. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Today's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, usually a big day for us in terms of Nefesh Benefesh, but Rabbi Fast was not able to join us today. We try to get him on on Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach each year. He was not able to join us today, so I'll just remind you that anybody out there who over the Shabbos table discussion decides to pursue the amazing move of heading to the Holy Land, you want to make sure to check out the um, NBN website, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il, or 8664, that's number four, Aliyah. That's how it works. Check out the community calendar section of jmtheam.org for what's happening in the community over the weekend and make sure to post your events in our community calendar section. If you have an event going on at any point, make sure to post the event. 11 minutes before the hour, more coming up. It's JM in the AM.
Caladone. Caladone, that is um, Jesse Green and Company here at JMM. Mazel Tov going out to Avraham Orlean, according to Rabbi Mickey Orlean. This is a third-generation MTA graduate. Avraham Orlean and all of his uh, classmates graduated MTA. Mazal Tov to his parents, uh, Rabbi Eitan and Shifra Orlean from all of us here at JMN. By the way, I wanted to mention something that, um, you know, Culture Fest is coming up next week. We keep talking about Tuesday night, of course. That's happening at the summer stage in New York City with uh, Avram Fried and Zusha and Lipa and the Cantors. And then we spoke about the Gear Mandolin Orchestra, which is happening on Thursday night. Keep in mind, Andy Statman, Saturday night at Joe's Pub, starting at 1130 Next week, a week from tomorrow night, we'll talk more about it. But that's another uh, event, part of Culture Fest NYC, that's very attractive to this audience. Time to take a Shabbos with Journeys. It's going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Say good job Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
Yisrael and Achim Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman's next on jmtheam.org and the NSN app with Table for Two, brand new edition. Make sure to be tuned in. The video is up already at nachomsegel.com. Ketem presentation of the incredible Arab Shabbos music mix will follow between 10 a.m. and candlelighting time. Great weekend programming tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. You heard, uh, you have the uh, headlines with Rabbi David Lichtenstein, Rabbi Jacobson with um, Eternal Flame, and of course, Sunday morning, Matis with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. Monday we are here, please God, at JM in the AM. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend until uh, Monday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.